This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer, Al Castle, back once again. My co-host, Brian Solomon, not able to make it this week. He's got a scheduling conflict, uh, but I've got two other guests that I'm really excited to talk about. Uh, firstly, PWI editor-in-chief, Kevin McElvaney. How are you? I am doing well. My microphone was muted. I was trying to minimize the background noise. Yeah, we're all struggling with these Zoom problems. Apparently. Uh, and uh, the, the owner and uh, proprietor of belltobells.com, uh, Kristen Ashley. How are you, Kristen? I'm good. Thank you. And we've got uh, Kristen and Kevin with us because we're going to be talking about the, I think it's the 13th annual uh, PWI Women's 100. It wasn't always the Women's 100. We always have that, that caveat. Um, but it is uh, the next issue that I think by the time you're listening to this is probably available uh, digitally. It is the uh, the counterpart to the PWI uh, 500, and we rank the top 100 female wrestlers in the world. Um, always a big issue for us, and we're going to get into it uh, here. And later on, you're going to hear from our number one ranked wrestler. I guess we can say who it is now, right? I mean, we're yeah, gonna be... <laughs> it's out there. Yeah, and and um, if you click on the podcast, I guess it's probably going to be right there in in the uh, the title. Uh, Bailey, uh, not a whole lot of a surprise, I would think. There uh, dominated uh, the women's division in WWE um, for the entire evaluation period. Still, the SmackDown Women's Champion and the clear number one choice for this year's Women's 100. Uh, I had the pleasure of talking to her um, at length uh, for the magazine. You're going to hear the interview right here. Uh, before that, we are going to talk, uh, to talk a bit about the Women's 100, the top, uh, go over the top 10, and share some other thoughts. Uh, right now, uh, let, let's plug uh, the issue. You could get it at pwi-online.com. Uh, Kevin, I'm always doing these plugs. When I th- throw to you, you have a better idea of what's in uh, this issue uh, in addition to the, the Women's 100? Sure. And I, I would also add, you can go to uh, womens-100.com, and cool. it will just take you directly to, to pre-order that. And then once uh, the digital version is available, which again, should be by the time this is out, uh, be a link there for that as well. So in addition to the women's 100, we have a lot of exciting things in there. We have a really cool column from Harry Burkett about the history of wrestling magazines, not just the Stanley Weston family, PWI family of magazines, uh, but just all different types of magazines are, are discussed. Um, we have a really cool column from Brian Solomon about Gordon Sully, which is, which is great. And then on top of that, you know, we always uh, try to do feature stories on some of the top talents in the business. So in this issue, we have one on current Impact champion Eric Young. Uh, we have one on Orange Cassidy from AEW, who we spoke to Orange Cassidy, but also to the best friends for that, because, of course, Orange is a man of few words. And uh, in addition, we have an article about AJ Gray, which is, he was the top ranked indie wrestler in this year's PWI 500, his first appearance and, you know, cracked the top 70, which is very impressive. So really cool issue. Women's 100 section is always one of our most popular features of the entire year. I'm, it was difficult to put together this year. It was really competitive, but I'm, I'm very happy with how it turned out. And of course, thank you both for taking part in that. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, 
we just went over this with the 500, so much stuff kind of in flux, uh, in addition to you taking the helm, um, not having Dan Murphy around, and, and Dan really was the driving force of the uh, the women's 100 and the female 50 before that for a number of years. I know I've never been as involved with women's 100 as I was uh, this year, uh, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, I got to learn uh, a lot new uh, about uh, some, some athletes who maybe I didn't uh, know that much about or appreciate, so um, that was fun. And uh, again, like the, the 500, uh, just loaded with information, pages and pages, uh, bios for all of the women. You can really dig deep and find out, get, get kind of a overview of the landscape of women's wrestling throughout the world, um, I think better than you can anywhere else. Uh, so go ahead and pick up the issue, pwi-online.com or womens100.com. Is that right? Women's hyphen 100. Women's hyphen 100. Uh, dot com. We love and, hyphens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you can download it uh, right away, customized uh, for your uh, digital uh, device, or go ahead and order the print issue uh, to come to your mailbox, I guess, in a couple weeks. Um, and uh, what else? As always, we um, definitely urge you to support PWI. Uh, follow us on social media at official PWI on Instagram and Twitter. We're on Facebook. Uh, we are on YouTube. You might be listening to this very podcast uh, on YouTube. Um, you could send us uh, emails at pwipodcast at outlook.com or pwi at capopublishing.com. You could pick up the Pro Wrestling Illustrated uh, t-shirt or line of t-shirts at prowrestlingtees.com. Uh, am I forgetting anything? The, the PWI Weekly, uh, go get that uh, completely free, sent to your uh, inbox uh, every week, put together by Kevin. Uh, a lot of fun. And I think that uh, about covers it. And as always, um, subscribe uh, to, to the magazine. Uh, I mean, uh, we definitely would love for you to pick up this issue or the last issue or the next issue. Really, the way to go is to not miss an issue and uh, just subscribe uh, and get about half off the, the cover price. And while, while we're talking about this, um, I know you, you uh, uh, dropped the news uh, last week. So we just had the... PWI 500. Uh, now we've got the, the women's 100 in this issue. And um, again, I, I think we're now going to have a trilogy and something I'm really excited about. Why don't you tell us about the the, uh, the magazine we're just getting started on now? Yeah. So um, as you may know, if you're listening to this, we're up to nine issues a year now from six. So uh, increased production schedule, which I'm excited about. It's a lot more work, but, um, and the January issue, which is, you know, available for pre-order now on sale digitally. Then we have the February issue, which will be a tag team special. So it's all going to be tag team themed. And to complete that trilogy, this is Al's idea. Um, and I think it's a great one. Uh, it was, I was reluctant at first, but he sold me on it. And I, I'm now I'm very excited about it. It's the tag team 50. So the top tag teams in the world are ranked. Um, unlike the 500 and the women's 100, there's no any kind of gender distinction in this. This is just tag teams based on their ability and various other criteria, which we'll spell out in the actual magazine. But this is a slightly different um, interpretation of, of, of teams and how they're doing. And uh, another cool thing is we didn't have the, the small Zoom meeting that we usually have for the 500, but actually encouraged everybody who's involved in the magazine to submit their, their rankings. And we took that into consideration when we were compiling everything. So that was really cool. I'm very excited for it. It's going to be a cool issue. Uh, I think I said cool a uh, few too many times there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I'm really excited about it. Um, I, I think uh, it's going to be 
a, a presentation that we we haven't seen before. They're they're on one hand you think all right it's just like the the 500 or the women's 100 but with tag teams but because it's tag teams there's all kinds of different considerations um, um that you have and um you know a, a guy like a uh a trent or a uh, a dax harwood or a, a xavier woods something like that on their own you know they'll they'll pop up in the pwi 500 um every year but because they're part of the unit i think very often their ranking as an individual doesn't reflect really what their contribution is to the the sport. Uh, so um, this is an opportunity for, for again, somebody who may not break the the top 100 on the PWA 500 to make the top 10, to be uh, number one. Um, and, and it's not uh, uh, less than it's just a different presentation. It's a different uh, art form. And um, I'm excited even beyond the tag team 50, to dig into that in a uh, tag team exclusive issue that is just going to look at kind of, again, tag team wrestling as a unique art form. Um, uh, I'm excited to, uh, I hope interview the, the number one uh, ranked uh, tag team and and really kind of get into uh, tag team wrestling. So um, a lot of fun, actually, I think it it didn't make the, the print um, edition, but my interview with Bailey um, coming up, and maybe did make the print issue. Uh, we talk a bit about uh, a tag team wrestling, and I dropped the news to her that that she may rank pretty high in um, the the tag team fifty, and and she was excited about it. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, all right, let's let's jump into uh, this issue, which is the women's uh, one hundred. Um, uh, Kristen, where I throw it, uh, to you. As uh, in an overview, I, I know you, you follow women's wrestling and have followed the, the women's 100 for a number of years. How do you think this list uh, compares uh, to others? And, and what does it say about kind of the state of women's wrestling right now? I'm super proud of this list. Um, I don't have any arguments whatsoever with this list and not just because I took part in it. But um, I've noticed there's a lot of women who haven't listed before. I think I counted and it was something like 38 women who have never listed before. So, um, you know, it's, it's hard this year because of COVID. Um, There's so many indie women who didn't get to uh, fight as much or, you know, compete as much as, as, you know, women and promotions, but I think there's still really good coverage across the board. I think this list, in my opinion, is one of the best lists PWI has released for women uh, by far. A lot of good, um, uh, like coverage quality, uh, you know, even we even considered, um, location, which was really important too. Um, where are they, you know? So I'm really proud of this. I think it speaks to the state of the women's women's wrestling, um, as it is right now. And, um, I was really happy I could take part in it for sure. One thing that jumped out at me and, and not to go too much into spoilers just yet, we'll go over the top 10, but, um, the, the first, five are all WWE contracted uh, women. Is, is that a testament to, to WWE really being kind of at, at the top of their game right now in their presentation of women's wrestling? Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> there's been some issues in the past, right. Um, with, with representation of women. Now I think they're finally getting it, um, especially the NXT division. I think, now these divisions are the ones that you go to for the best women. Um, so, yeah, the, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that the top five is WWE women whatsoever. Yeah, I, I mentioned it to, to Bailey, but it feels like we're um, 
we're past that novelty stage that we were a couple of years ago where it's like, gee whiz, there's a women's Royal Rumble. Gee whiz, there's a, a women's Hell in the Cell. Right. And also uh, past uh, uh, kind of the some of the mainstream excitement that came with Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch being a big sensation. And now we sort of, it feels like we kind of settled into what it's going to be and what it is. Um, and how do you think it, it the, the women's uh, uh, scene specifically in WWE, I guess, compares to uh, recent years where maybe there was more uh, mainstream attention put on women's wrestling, but but I, I don't know that we've ever had, you know, the top five be all WWE women. Yeah, I think it's a testament to the talent. Um, they're focusing more on the actual talent of the women, so their abilities and their strengths. Um, and, you know, when we go through the top 10 uh, for in the top five, those women, I think WWE did a better job of playing into their natural strengths as opposed to making them do stuff that maybe they weren't very strong at. So, um, you know, WWE, they do, uh, they produce moments, right? But I think that that with the women, at least, they're producing matches better. So they're producing talent and they're training talent and um, and, and, and they're focusing, like I said, on their strengths for sure. Yeah. Uh, another kind of takeaway uh, for me, you know, we're just getting um, past the, the PWI 500 where John Moxley uh, ranked uh, number one. AEW in general uh, had a really good showing in the PWI 500. Less so, I think, in, in the women's uh, 100, certainly in the top 10. Uh, Kevin, does, does, does that um, say to you that they've still got some work uh, to do over there as far as the presentation of women? Yeah, I, so I mean, first of all, I think it would have been hard even if AEW was firing on all cylinders with the presentation of their women's division for them to crack the top five just because WWE was positioning its at least its top women wrestlers as the top wrestlers in the promotion for months on end. I mean, like the the big the big feuds for you know for months on end: Sasha, Bailey, Asuka, Charlotte, and Becky earlier on in the period. So it would have been difficult anyway. Um, and I think it speaks well to the two AEW wrestlers who did make the top 10, that they made the top 10 because they, they sort of had their work cut out for them. Uh, there were a lot of weeks where there wasn't, um, if there was a women's match on, on raw, it wasn't necessarily the main event women wrestlers, you know, whether the champion was, I mean, I said raw dynamite. Um, it, so you might have had, for example, Hikaru Shida frequently defending the championship on Dark, you know, that sort of thing, which, of course, Dark is, is a wonderful show, but it's not their their premier program. And I mean, it's not presented as such. Um, and I think, yeah, there, there's certainly a lot of uh, room to grow in terms of offering TV time in having actual rivalries enter into the matches a little bit more. And we've seen some of it. Um, but yeah, they, they have a ways to go, especially considering how great that tag team division is and how great, you know, their, their upper mid card and main event scene is there. There's plenty of energy put into, to getting those things right. And I have no doubt given the talent in AEW that the women's division can be every bit as good. It's just, you know, it's not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go to it. Uh, let's, let's start at, at number one. Um, we, we already told you it is uh, Bailey coming off uh, a historically a good year, certainly the, the, her career a year and an interesting story because I, I think there were uh, so much reservations, second guessing about the heel turn 
Um, you'll hear me uh, talk to Bailey uh, about it. And um, the truth is, it, it was kind of rocky uh, at the at the outset. I mean, it, and and some of it, as she talks about, um, changed because of the pandemic and and the need to kind of um, rethink the presentation. Uh, but she's really settled into male or female, one of the most entertaining acts in in the entire uh, company. Uh, Kristen, do you agree? Absolutely. It, it was really rocky at first, um, and especially because we all knew Bailey as this natural face. I mean, she was the face, I believe, at WWE, personally, of, of the women's division. And then they tried it, and they've not always been successful in those turns, so there was some, like, ugh. But then she, like I said, you know, she fell into these natural strengths of hers. And now to watch her just bicker with Michael Cole is like what I watch SmackDown for. I mean, she's just incredible. I think she's hilarious. So um, no surprise that she's number one at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that her rise over the year was a real testament to the importance of connecting with your character. And she even talked about it when, when she first made the turn, it almost felt like maybe um, she was overthinking it and and had this uh, uh, picture in her mind of what this character could be like. And I don't know if it was um, that close to who she is. Not that she's a heel but she t- in real life, but she talks about how um, it was really playing in front of no fans and, and in empty arenas that made her kind of reconsider what that character was going to be because it couldn't be that kind of quiet, uh, uh, a solemn uh, character um, if there's no reaction from fans. And so to some extent she improved. And uh, I think her, her uh, alliance and her, her real life friendship with Sasha put her uh, in kind of, kind of a comfort zone and uh, uh, put her at ease. And she just kind of slipped into what that character um, could be at its best. And, it's led, it, and and uh, it's funny. Certainly, it was part of my a, a big part of my interview with with her and um, the the bio. Uh, it really feels like Bailey and Sasha are are so uh, connected um, this year. Uh, uh, not just because of their their uh, tag team and and their feud, but it's just all of it. It really feels like um, like few rivalries I could think of in the last several years, they really brought the best out in each other throughout the year and elevated each other. I don't know that either of them on their own would have had um, uh, as good a year as they had working together. Yeah. Um, Yeah, exactly. They played off each other a lot and their natural friendship also helps with that as well. Um, Yeah. I mean, Bailey had, I mean, a record breaking Rain. I mean, she really, and, and she wasn't necessarily the heel that WWE likes to play where they don't really defend the title. She still defended the title quite a bit. Um, so, you know, no surprise. It was an easy choice. Um, she really makes SmackDown for me, definitely. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I, I don't, you know, you'll look to Drew McIntyre, who's had a pretty good run uh, so far as WWE Heavyweight Champion. Her, her reign uh, way predated his. So I can't think of a, a a champion that's been this dominant. I mean, pretty much every pay-per-view, they've fed up a, a challenger to her and she's knocked them down. She pretty much cleaned out that that division. Um, you know, when 
in, in putting that bio together, you've got to narrow it down to the highlights. And it was, it was kind of tough to choose from because um, she just beat everyone, you know, and every paper you had another challenger. And uh, uh, honestly, for, for the first portion of that, maybe the first half of that, they weren't the highest profile matches. You know, the reality is at WrestleMania, um, I don't want to say her match was an afterthought, but it was, it didn't get the attention of the two other women's title matches um, at the pay-per-view, but in, in a way it almost helped her because um, uh, she was the the clear dominant champion. I don't know that there was ever anyone that was that much of a threat to her title. Uh, so it, it really, the formula for, for the year was feed someone to Bailey, Bailey knocks them down. She moves on to the next one all while sowing those seeds um, of her and, and Sasha. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's move on to, uh, uh well, let, let me ask you, Kevin, and anything you'd want to add uh, to, to the conversation about the, the year Bailey had. I mean, you two hit the nail on the head, uh, really. So, uh, as you mentioned, I mean, she did seem to be, to have hit her stride, uh, paired up with Sasha and was comfortable and, and, you know, arguably not having to worry as much about the in-person, um, crowd that probably helped to some degree too. But as Kristen said, it's a question of natural strengths. And if you look at the previous iteration of Bailey, this is almost like a, a mirror image of it. And, and she mentioned in the, in the interview with Al that it was, she was sort of modeling herself originally after the brooding character that Eddie Guerrero had. And when he was cruiserweight champion in WCW, um, and that didn't feel like a fit for her. Instead, I mean, she's this gregarious person with a big personality, you know, so she just figured out a way to take that and instead of making it lovable, make it just really like you're like, I, I just want to see you lose your title so bad. Like, you know, even though on, on, a, on one level, I mean, I, I want to see her hold that championship forever because it's, it's going to continue to be entertaining. But, um, you know, then when you get caught up in the match, um, but. I would, the only thing I would add beyond that is, I mean, we have the two separate lists. If we were considering head-to-head her and John Moxley, I think there, if we were comparing them um, with a completely integrated list, I think there would be an argument to place her at the very top. I mean, she just had that great a year. Um, but yeah, I mean... Not, I think it's a really good point, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not, not even... Forget about gender. I don't know that anybody um, had the year that she had. Uh, yeah. so, absolutely. Uh, moving on, uh, a number two, uh, a name that a year ago uh, was about as big as uh, they come in pro wrestling, uh, less so now as she's kind of disappeared off TV uh, for a while. Uh, Becky Lynch, who we haven't seen since she announced uh, her pregnancy. I think she'd be due, what, December, something like that. Um, but uh, nevertheless, certainly within the evaluation period, I think the first half evaluation period was as dominant as as anyone held that Raw Women's uh, Championship the entire uh, first half of the evaluation period, never lost it. Um, and I think for uh, a while there, you could have made the case for her uh, being the biggest star in, in WWE. And so for that matter, the biggest wrestling star uh, in the world, I mean, I, I don't want to exaggerate um, too much. Like so many, like like everybody in wrestling this year, I mean, part of the problem was that um, 
there were no fans to draw because you weren't holding live shows, but it would have been interesting. Um, were it not for her taking the break and not for the pandemic to see how much her star power, uh, uh, could have carried her, uh, through, through 2020. Did, did, uh, uh, Kristen, did, did you feel like she was as hot as, uh, ever when she left or, um, did you get a sense that that popularity was starting to, to wane a bit? I mean, it's going to wane a little, right? I, I, I'm thinking probably since the face punch, it's always going to wane a tad. Yeah. <laughs> Cause she's, I mean, it, it peaks, but, um, the, the response to her leaving was also very large. So I think it was still this like, in, like this crazy star power um, that you knew when she left, there's going to be this huge hole left in the women's division. And it's definitely been true for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so looking a bit at, at her year, she uh, retained uh, at WrestleMania against uh, Shayna Baszler. Um, got a big win over Asuka at the Royal Rumble. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there were, there were several other uh, defenses. She learned how to drive a truck apparently, uh, in, in that time. Um, uh, Kevin, h- how much of, of an absence is it, uh, not having uh, Becky Lynch around? I mean, certainly noticeable, at least at first. And I think that was part of why it was so important to have Sasha and Bailey just so present on every brand. And I, and I think, they disguised that that's what they were they, they were doing a little bit because they had, I mean, this is not a slight on Asuka. It's more just that she won the money in the bank. We were all prepared for there to be a little bit of a ramp up to her, probably eventually winning the title. Um, but that didn't happen. I mean, she just was given the title and like, okay, well, what, what are they going to do now? Right. So you have Sasha and Bailey showing up on Raw. And I think, you know, probably just for the sake of balance also on NXT. Um, but the, they felt the need to do that and to do all these just wild things with multiple people holding multiple championships and Oscar main eventing for both brands. And it was, I think it was a little bit of a desperate attempt to fill the, the, for the, in for the lack of Becky, but it, I mean, it worked because those, those matches became the center point, point of uh, those respective shows. And, yeah. uh, but at the same time, I mean, Becky, Becky is missed. And when she does decide to come back, I think, I think the break will be a good thing because I think she'll come back fresh and fans will be very happy to see her. And then, you know, she can kind of pick up where she left off, but with, without the, uh, the added challenge of, okay, you've been the hottest thing on the show for the past year and a half, maybe. And then now you have to continue to deliver while people will miss her and, just for just for that, she could come back and do the exact same thing, and she'd do great. Do, do we even know that she is going to come back? I mean, I don't know. Uh, it, it seems right. like people are kind of counting the days till she has this baby, as if you know, sure. maybe pops out and she's back in the ring next week. Um, well, I mean, yeah. blame, blame the tabloid shows for that. You know, just <laughs> uh, I, I'd say it's far from a given that that we we see her even in the next several um, years, if at all. So I. Her being ranked here was based on the assumption that she never announced a retirement. She's not officially gone. Um, if she were retired, and we have we have people who were originally on the list, Akigetsu is a, is a really uh, notable example from Stardom who retired, and we tentatively had her on the list. And like, oh yeah, she almost forgotten she retired because there was so much happening this year. Um, 
So had she officially been retired, we wouldn't have her on the list. I think the assumption is she'll eventually be back, but maybe not right away. I'd be curious. Kristen, do you think Becky's coming back? I don't know. It's hard because she, I mean, she really loves wrestling. I always make the joke, um, can we switch Seth Rollins for Becky? Maybe she can stay at home and she can can come back. Um, I don't, that's a hard one. Cause who knows, right? I mean, feelings change too when she has the baby in her hands. Who knows? Right. What's happen. I think that's a really good point. I mean, it, it almost doesn't matter what she would say about it now, um, and everything could change. Uh, uh, especially when she actually becomes a mother, and the uh, the it's something I'm always interested in when I when I interview wrestlers who are parents uh, as a parent. Like, how do you make that that sacrifice of just not being around? I think it's less of an issue now than it was uh, years ago and even less right right now because there there isn't any touring but assuming at some point that they go back to touring um you know that that's a real challenge just handing your, your kid off um the fact that her and um seth are would presumably remain on the road uh together and uh you know it, it really has changed so much they could theoretically travel with that kid on a bus if if they wanted to but uh, I think even this this discussion, these considerations, uh, have got to be a year or more uh, away. So yeah, and then you know you start. How old is Becky Lynch? She she's got to be in her mid thirties, right? Yeah, I think she's my age. I think she's around thirty four, thirty five. Okay, so. yeah. So you know, who knows? I mean, I, I think it's at least a possibility that we've seen um, the the end of her run as a full time wrestler in wwe so um yeah and, and it was a hell of a run uh, uh number three staying uh in in wwe and uh, kevin you just talked about her quite a bit and it's because she had a huge huge year uh asuka um and another one who i think really kind of changed the narrative over uh, the last year uh you forget after having that that huge run in nxt and then coming into wwe with um uh, a lot of momentum winning the first women's Royal Rumble. She really kind of faltered and, and it wasn't um, any doing of her own, but she just kind of wasn't in the mix. So there was a year or more there where she was, you know, working tag teams kind of low on the card. Uh, there'd be weeks at a time where you'd hardly uh, see her at all. She really kind of became uh, an afterthought. And it feels like uh, with Becky, uh, uh, leaving for some time. Charlotte also uh, uh, taking some time away uh, from WWE. They've really leaned a lot on on Asuka. Um, I think we've got two pay-per-views in the last, what, three months where she wrestled twice, <laughs> right? Um, so uh, it, it really goes to show you that she has been the go-to and has more than, than held up uh, her end and I think reminded um, everyone uh, of why she is that star and notably is also a mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which we learned, I learned at least this year. That was yeah. what I learned. <laughs> she, who could, I mean, if you can rely on anybody that isn't like a four horse woman, you can rely on Asuka. I mean, from pure town alone. Why, why would you not rely on Asuka? I mean, she is like your go-to. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and and interestingly, also has become like one of the the better promos in WWE since yeah. she stopped speaking English. Um, Kevin, uh, uh, what are your thoughts on how important Oscar's been to WWE over the last year? 
Yeah, I mean, as you both said, she has stepped up in a big way, uh, especially with Becky and Charlotte being out of contention. Um, and I honestly think that's been the, her biggest obstacle since she's been moved up to the main roster because she was dominant in NXT. Um, it was it was available opportunities because there are so many great wrestlers in that division and so many big stars in that division, right? So it's you can't prioritize everybody all the time. That th- that doesn't mean that she was properly prioritized. I'm not necessarily commenting on that. But as far as going in the ring and bell to bell, and I mean, really, even I mean, even promos. I mean, it's just. Um, and I mentioned this um, on another interview that I did. It's it's she's cutting a promo on Japanese. I don't understand a word of it, but you get the meaning of it and the intent of it. And they're intense. And she's just wildly talented and entertaining. Can't say enough good things about Asuka. Uh, deserves to be in the number three spot for sure. Uh, Christian, do you like her more in in uh, babyface role, which is kind of what she's been doing, I guess, for the last several months? I know sometimes these lo- lines are kind of blurred, or um, the mo- more solidly heel role that she was in, um, I guess, maybe early this year uh, and also last year? Yeah, I mean, it, like you said, it's blurred. I'm not sure that I ever considered her a heel, personally. Um, I think she's extremely confident which I think maybe sometimes will come off heelish at points, but I mean, you're right. She's got the, the greatest promos ever. Um, and then she kind of does this cackle, which always gets me. I love it. Um, so I don't know. I mean, right. Was she more heel in NXT? I'm not really sure. I mean, mm, no, she was I think definitely more dominant, but I guess I, I mean, I've always seen Asuka the same. I've never really changed opinions on her um as as far as like face versus heel um i've always kind of seen her as just a dominant force no matter what and she's another one who uh stands to do pretty well in the tag team 50 i would think uh as one half of the kabuki warriors um moving on to uh number four another face we haven't seen that much of as of late but we sure saw a lot of her before that uh, Charlotte Flair, and uh, you touched on confidence uh, in in Oscar. I feel like um, one of the things we've seen over the last year with Charlotte was her really finding that confidence too. Not not that you know those comparisons are always made between her and her father, and I think the the one thing over the last year um, that has changed is that I think Charlotte's really started to believe that, and not in a in a bad way, not in a braggadocious way, but I think she is starting to appreciate uh, her role as kind of a leader and um, that she has maybe a, I don't even want to call it a natural ability because I think that would shortchange how much effort she puts into it. Uh, but but I got to interview her uh, earlier this year for the magazine um, coming off of her match at WrestleMania, uh, which I think was, was widely acclaimed as probably the best sort of standard wrestling match at, at WrestleMania. You had the kind of the spectacle of, of AJ and Undertaker and uh, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins had that wild brawl. But just in terms of a, a wrestling match, I think she pulled it off the best with, with Rhea Ripley in front of no fans. Um, and uh, I, it, I was really taken uh, talking to her after that, how sort of um, a, a confident and, and sort of, uh, of, you know, no pun intended, sort of second nature was to her. Like, yeah, of course I was going to do that, uh, but, but not in an arrogant way. I just think she, she gets 
the the wrestling business um, in in kind of a, a way that that not a lot of other people uh, do, uh, men and women, and, and I'm sure a lot of it has to do with her father. But uh, she's very cerebral uh, uh, about her uh, position in in the sport, and I think it's coming through uh, this year. I also think uh, it's for the best, probably, that she's taking some time off because for all her contributions, there was definitely. I think some fatigue uh, uh, by by some fans and the whole absence makes a heart grow fonder thing. Um, yeah, I think it's just as well that, that she take a break. Uh, Kevin, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the break was well-timed. Um, and honestly, I think even if she hadn't taken the break, we I don't see how she could have been too much higher than, than number four. I think it's a good ranking for her. Um, she consistently was you know below the level of a becky lynch or a bailey throughout the year um in terms of in-ring achievements in terms of i mean let's let's face it i mean as as good as she was those two were really at the top of their game so it was going to be hard to outperform them um so i think a chance to rest to recalibrate but also as you said to give fans a chance to miss her a little bit i mean she's been consistently booked very strongly Many, many championship reigns, won the Women's Royal Rumble match, big match at WrestleMania, another run at the NXT title. I mean, I think take some time off after that, enjoy yourself, come back, just ready to kill it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Christian, did, did you agree with that? What was your take on the year to the Charlotte Yeah, I mean, the thing about Charlotte is she's reliable. You know, like her talent is reliable. So... After a while, it probably comes off stale. Like, reliable turns almost stale in a way. Um, And so, I agree. I think her timing was perfect to take the break. I think her in NXT gave it a good shakeup that it needed. Um, You know, Rhea is a powerhouse, and she's so tall, and she's so strong. And she needed somebody that could believably match up all that. And I think Charlotte was just natural at it. Um, So, you know... I agree. I think number four is a good spot for her. I don't think she had quite the star power that the top three did. Um, but I, you know, she's, she's reliable in that she always produces great matches and she puts in the work, you know, like you said, it's second nature to her, but I also think part of it is because she does put in so much work that it becomes natural for her. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, number five, kind of rounding out uh, the the WWE uh, uh, run here in the top five, uh, Sasha Banks. Um, it, it's interesting to me that uh, it's a little more than a year ago, her whole career was up in the air, right? I mean, there was a question as to whether she'd come back to WWE. There was all these stories about her kind of being uh, dissatisfied with her her place in the cards, with um, the the kind of uh, stop start push that her and Bailey were getting uh, as a tag team, and it felt like uh, in uh, the the later part of uh, 2019 and throughout 2020, she just really had something to prove and uh, did some of the best work of her career. Yeah, she's. I mean, the thing with Sasha is that she's got like the hugest Stan army on the planet. Mm-hmm. So I don't think she could even leave for a while if she wanted to. I mean, she's always she's just always around. Um, they, I mean, I follow every. I'm a stan. I'll admit it. I follow everything she does, and it's because she just has this grace with everything that she does. But um, again, I think I think number five is a good spot for her because there was so much left in the air. 
Right. Yeah, and and for uh, some of this just ref- reflects sort of booking because mm-hmm. for all uh, her amazing performances um, throughout the year, her spot was one where she was going to lose a lot, right? So, um, and and that was the buildup to her uh, in Bailey. So she she got that title reign. She got it through kind of dubious circumstances. Mm-hmm. I I think she only defended it once, or might have lost it um, in her first defense. Um, it had the, the the tag reign with Bailey, which was pretty successful, uh, but but that doesn't tell I think the full story of of her year. I remember uh, being in um, the the Barclays for I guess it was her her second match with Bailey uh, um, in in that series where she won best match of the year and also runner up um, with Bailey, and this was now five years ago, and looking at her and thinking. Uh, even then, this is one of the most complete performers in in all of wrestling. You know, everything uh, she does, the 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 entrance, the mannerisms, the promos, the work in the ring, it was so polished. And then uh, I think got away from that in in WWE, and that's the 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 rep for for WWE, right? I mean, some of these performers who who look so good um, get called up, and then. Um, you know, through through presentation, through booking, sometimes through you know some faults of their own, uh, they just they have a hard time recapturing that. So there was a while there where it was like, how did I ever think that Sasha was was all that great? Uh, and then she reminded me uh, this year, and um, uh, I, I think we're we're seeing that complete performer that that had those great matches back in 2015. So I'm super excited to see what her and Baylor are going to come up with uh, next, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, so it's, this is where I chime in and, and admit I'm a huge fan of Sasha Banks. Um, going back to her NXT days, she's been one of my consistently, one of my favorite wrestlers to watch uh, just for, for so many reasons. And I think the fact that some of us could have even forgotten how, how good she could be, owes to that presentation. I mean, she, she came up and certainly was presented as a big deal for, for a while, but she was consistently losing to Charlotte Flair, which I think didn't help her, her uh, establish herself as like that top. You know, she was, she was the, the 1A or the B to, to Charlotte's, you know, being, being on top. Um, but really, I think th- this is why... Um, First of all, it's it's very impressive that she's at number five, considering she really only had one brief kind of fluke singles title run using our criteria. You know, she should not be very high just based on that. But it's that's not why she's ranked there. It's because she's been such an important part of the show um, and influential and has been a main eventer um, and certainly has a lot of momentum, which is one of the, the criteria as well. Um, but... I think it's important to have these criteria because if we're just saying, I like this person and think they're good, we could have the same list more or less every year. I mean, I would be tempted. Sasha would have ranked number one a couple times already for Mm -hmm. up to me, but it's not. Um, I mean, it is, and then I'm editor, but we're beholden to these criteria if we want to have any claim to, I mean, it's subjective, but any claim to (laughs) to objectivity. You know, like you you want to take different things into account and not just have it be, I think this person is good. And, uh, but again, if we were doing that, yeah, I mean, <laughs> she's been maybe the most, uh, entertaining outside of, outside of Bailey. I think they're, 
neck and neck if we're going just based on that. Um, and I think if she actually gets a big baby face title win here and takes the championship from Bailey, which, which I fully expect that's coming. It's just a question of when then I think she's going to be even higher next year. Yeah. Yeah. You sort of wish the timing lined up that they could have this match at, at WrestleMania because right. it feels like it, it could be, if, if not in the main event slot, certainly uh, uh, the semi main event, just under uh, the very top um, at, at Hell in a Cell. I, I expect, I hope that, that this goes on last. I mean, it, it feels like the biggest match WWE uh, could, could put on uh, right now. Um, and it, it's really intriguing because they had the, the, that amazing series years ago, but now the roles being uh, reversed with Sasha in the babyface role and, and Bailey in the heel role. Um, they, they really could tell in, an entirely different story than they did um, years ago. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, finally, a, a non WWE name at uh, number six, Hikaru Shida, the reigning AEW women's uh, champion, uh, a name that that probably um, a lot of fans just a year ago had never heard of and came on strong this year. You know, they they put that title on a couple other women um, uh, before her. Uh, Hikaru Shida uh, got it this year from Nyla Rose. And I think the reviews have been uh, largely good. Uh, right, Kristen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was so happy when she got it. It was like, fine. Not that mm-hmm. Nyla Rose wasn't good. Not that Riho wasn't good. But she does got, I mean, she's such a hard hitter in the ma- in, in matches. And she's so, she's so talented um, that I felt like when she got the title, I was like, okay, this is where we start now with the AEW Women's Division. Like, this is the push that it needed to really round out the whole division um, and see the matches that I know that the women can have. So when she got it, I, I mean, it was like, it was like a sigh of relief, like, yay, <laughs> finally, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it, um, it did feel like for a while there, AW, and we talked about it, you know, some, some of the issues they've had with the women's division. It's like they're, they've been trying to find who, who is going to be the face of this uh, division. They, they went with uh, Riho at first and she brought a lot of energy. Um, but uh, I, I think that she, it's an issue when you've got somebody with those dimensions, right? I mean, she is small, real small. Um, and then putting her up against some, the likes of Nile Rhodes and some others, uh, it, it was challenging. And I also don't know um, that she connected with, with everyone uh, all that well. Uh, Nyla obviously got uh, a lot of attention, um, uh, but was, uh, and I think she would say, still a little wet behind the ears. So what, what you got on, on one hand, you're maybe sacrificing on the other hand um, in, in terms of, of quality of matches. And uh, yeah, in, in Sheeta, it did feel like kind of, um, it, it's almost that middle ground between Riho and, and Nyla, right? Taking the, the, the best of one and the best of the other and putting forward to this, this pretty polished package, right, Kevin? Yeah, and I think one thing to add to all that is that um, she does have that connection with the fans and that charisma. So people talk about how great she is in the ring, but she has, she has that it factor too. She has the, the charisma. Um, sucks that we even have to consider this so much, but like her, her English is good. I mean, that, that does help because you can, you can have her, you know, cut more promos. They haven't done a ton of it yet, but as we mentioned earlier, they haven't devoted as much time to the women's division as, as they have other divisions anyway. Um, and, and I think with her now being, 
again, in the short history of the title, the longest reigning champion that that bodes well. I think given the right opponent, she can have some really great matches. She never has a bad match, but I think better against some people than others. Um, and I think when we see, say, you know, Britt Baker back full time, when we see Chris Statlander back in the ring, and then along with some of the other women who are coming in now, Serena Deeb, uh, maybe another match with Thunder Rosa, because that, that first one was great. Um, I think she, if she has those matches, honestly, even if she isn't champion for, for all of those or doesn't retain through all those, I think that raises her stock a lot just by virtue of her having those great matches and AEW fans wanting to see great in-ring product. Yeah. It, it, it strikes me that, that one thing they can learn f- from WWE, and, and I know that AEW um, prides itself a lot f- in, in offering an alternative to WWE. And, and I think most of the time they're spot on in doing so. But, you know, as we just touched on here, we got WWE kind of running the table in, in the top five. And it's not that any of those women certainly athletically are any better than, I mean, some are, but, but it's not like there is this, this gulf in terms of um, uh, athletic ability uh, between the two. So uh, what is one thing that WWE does that AEW has not been able to do as well? I do think it's the storylines. And WWE, you know, it took years, if not decades, to finally uh, get there. You know, we've talked about how for so long there was the women's storyline, right? So there was all the men's storyline, and then there was the one women's storyline, and very often it was fighting over a boyfriend or um, whatever. I mean, it, it was really shallow stuff. But now, certainly with like um, Sasha and Bailey, you see the the depth and the nuance of of storytelling. And um, AEW is not not there yet. Um, and I, I think that's one thing we that we need to see out of uh, Hikaru Shida, her involved in something beyond a match that you could say, wow, those two could have a great match because they're both really good workers. We need the personal uh, element there. And I think there's a, there is a reason that um, uh, Britt Baker, even though uh, I think most people would agree, probably including herself, not the, the worker that Hikaru Shida is, has had more compelling television over the last several months um, than probably any other uh, woman in AEW. And that's because she's brought the, the, the personality and the storylines and all that stuff. So when you talk about what, what the future is of that division, I, I think probably as big a match as they could do right now is it would be Sheeta and Britt Baker, um, uh, because you know that Britt's going to bring the entertainment value. Uh, right, uh, Kristen? Yeah. Um, I mean, AEW, it's got a lot of issues right now, uh, primarily out of their control, right? Like there's a lot of um, injuries, there's COVID, there's stuff going on that um, just based on how they built their women's division makes it hard for them because they do pull from across these so much. Um, And so a lot of their roster in the women's division is part-timers and we're seeing them pull some more now, which is amazing. It means they're they're signing more women with Ivalice news recently. That's great. I think Sheeta will remain a very central fa- uh, factor for their women's division. And that gives me a lot of hope for their women's division. Um, and, and, you know, it, it is first year, right? I know I give them a lot of um, crap, so to speak, but it is the first year. So there are always cobwebs you got to kick out. And I think Sheeta will be um, a central factor in helping them kick out those cobwebs. 
Uh, moving on to number uh, seven, uh, the first name from Impact showing up on the list, Tessa Blanchard, who uh, for a while thought I, I thought was would be in the running for the number one spot. Um, you know, certainly uh, if if you asked me back in January, February, who would be the number one spot, I would have thought she had a strong chance. I mean, I thought it was uh, a two horse race between her and and Becky. Um, and then I don't know. I mean, we, we know what happened. We, all kinds of issues. She, she won the heavyweight title from impact wrestling, uh, and then all but disappeared. Um, some kind of contractual dust up. She ends up getting released by impact. They go in a completely different direction. And then we really haven't seen, uh, much of her. So it, it does feel like kind of a, a lost opportunity that, that there was, um, that, that Tessa had, uh, the chance this year to really have kind of a historic year for, for women and um, never quite got there, uh, Kristen. Yeah, I think her story is a testament that talent isn't the only thing that's going to carry you through. Um, you know, from the women I've spoke with personally, because I can't always attest to rumors, but the attitude issue is an issue. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's just an issue. And when you can't work with others, well, well, then you don't get booked. So um, it's, it's, I want to say it's unfortunate, but it's also like, it's her fault, right? So it's unfortunate that a talent has to be squandered in a way. But I agree, I think before all of the stuff, she could have been number one. She's, you know, she's very important to the intergender scene. I think impact has made their women very, very central to the intergender scene. Um, and so Tessa's work there, I mean, again, Sammy Callahan, forget it. It was so good. She's mm-hmm. so good. And, and not just because of her father, right? She's just, she's very good. And I've seen her live on the indie scene um, at Zello. I mean, she's incredible. But again, talent isn't everything, unfortunately. And so, um, you know, it's unfortunate that it came to this, but I think seven is still a good, really, it's a really good spot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Kevin, what's the future of, of Tessa Blanchard? I mean, on, on uh, one hand, um, you'd think she'd be one of the hottest free agents, right? I mean, uh, there's name value. She's got a reputation of being a great performer. Uh, but then, as Kristen talked talked about, um, comes with all this baggage that uh, maybe a WWE or even an AW uh, thinks twice about, you know, do, do we want this around a potential, you know, potentially kind of toxic environment? Um, I would think it, it would help her case maybe that she's got her dad working in, in AW. If they want to go that route, they could use a shot in the arm in their women's division. So I think she'd be um, a huge benefit to that, that roster. Uh, so what do you think the future has in store for, for Tessa Blanchard? I think it's really touchy. Um, I do think she'll be back at some point somewhere, maybe even at a really high level the, the next time we see her. I wouldn't be entirely shocked if she showed up in AEW or, or even WWE. Uh, WWE, we've seen particularly lately just, I mean, they are not particularly concerned with allegations against people mm-hmm. um, until they're proven legally, I guess. Is then, then they'll start to, to care. Um, and with Tessa, um, I mean, there's different allegations against her, but I mean, like being a bully and being hard to work with. And there were uh, allegations of, uh, of racist behavior as well. Uh, none of that bodes well for her, but 
she has her side of the story. And if someone is inclined to believe her they, or, or thinks that she's, you know, improved since then, she can still get a job. Um, in the ring, bell to bell. It's bell to bells. Uh, <laughs> there's, no, there's no doubting her, her talent. I mean, she's even... I, re- I remember even just seeing uh, people on Twitter talking about, you know, they, they don't like her for this or that reason. And then somebody said, like, and she's no good in the ring. And then someone else said, well, that's ridiculous. You can't say she's not good in the <laughs> ring. You can say all you want about her. But it's the reason that so much of this was so controversial and the way she left Impact was so controversial is because she had so much promise. And, I mean, we had her ranked in the PWI 500 as well on the strength of her Impact title win and some other things. Uh, we moved her down a little bit from where we had her. Um, and some of that was the perception that she might not be able to find work for a while and that she was kind of a, an incomplete on that. Yeah. And, I, and I think headed into Hard to Kill when she won that title, I mean, the world was her oyster at that point. I mean, but prior to that. And I think that plus COVID, um, I mean, you even look at how she's, her public appearances since then. And I mean, she, I th- believe the only match she had was that warrior wrestling women's match. Yeah, um, I think so. She yeah. wasn't even formally, uh, or at least not on social media. She wasn't advertised for it. Like, so, I mean, if you dug, you saw that she was defending her championship, but they, they wouldn't tweet about it. They didn't, you know, they weren't making it uh, front and center because she has this stigma attached to her. And, uh, you know, I think as with anything else, rightly or wrongly, it will fade over time. Um, people get second, third, fourth, fifth chances. Sometimes they deserve it. Sometimes they don't. Just because of what she has to offer, she's going to end up somewhere. Um, and I would be surprised if it doesn't happen within the next year, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking about hours, so, so let's uh, round out the top 10 here a little more quickly. Uh, at number eight, we have uh, Riho, the first AW Women's uh, Champion. Uh, number nine, the reigning NXT Women's Champion, Io Shirai. And at number 10, um, a standout from stardom, Mayu Iwatani. Um, three Japanese women uh, rounding out uh, the top 10. Uh, Kristen, any thoughts on, on any or all of those? Yeah, I'm really happy to see how many Japanese women have made the top 10. I, I mm-hmm. think that's, well, first off, it's well-deserved, but it's huge. Um, and I think they're placed very appropriately. Mm-hmm. They had uh, Kevin, and, and any thoughts on on uh, any of those? Io uh, Shirai, maybe in particular, for for so long, it feels like um, NXT was really where where WWE uh, uh, was keeping a lot of its best women's talent and and uh, had these amazing uh, a run of of champions. Uh, does does Io fit the bill down there? For sure, um, I think it was just a question of when, not if, with her, and she's become such a focal point of that show as it's grown into this bigger third brand rather than this perceived developmental territory. Um, so very deserved for her. And then I think, you know, alongside her, you have Rio at number eight, who had she been able to compete a little more this year, you know, um, apart from not being able to travel to AEW, we have to acknowledge the fact that Japan was shut down for longer than, than the U S was. I mean, they're still getting back to normal over there or the new version of normal. And for that same reason, very impressive that Mayu Iwatani uh, cracks the top 10 because stardom was shut down until very recently. Um, but she's still reigning as champ there. Just had recently had a successful title defense. Uh, slips my mind who she defended against, but it was a one-on-one match. 
Um, and she's a world-class talent who I think in the absence of COVID, we would have seen more of her stateside, more of her in the UK and Europe. And that would have, that would have been great for her. Um, but as it stands, I mean, yeah, half of the top 10, a full half of the top 10 Japanese wrestlers. So yeah. that's very cool. Um, I think it shows a lot about the, the says a lot about the growing influence of wrestling in Japan uh, globally, and I'm I'm happy we were able to represent the truth of that influence in this year's list. Uh, another uh, a place where you see uh, a lot of talent, not necessarily in the top ten here, but but I think past the top ten, um, Impact had a pretty good uh, showing, and I feel like uh, for for years. Uh, they were looked at as kind of the the destination for quality women's wrestling in in the United States, at least in, in large televised wrestling companies. When when they created the Knockouts division, and they really they they were ahead of the curve, certainly had WWE in presenting um, athletic women's uh, wrestling, and then maybe fell behind some just in general the turmoil that that TNA was in for so long, and uh, Impact still has a ways uh, to go. But um, I think their their women's division has been on point for for uh, the last year. Uh, do you agree, Kristen? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, no surprise. I I think they picked up a lot of names recently that um, improve it quite a bit. But it's always, I mean, to me, for the last year, it's always been the go to place. I'll say I don't really watch Impact Wrestling for the men's division. <laughs> I mean, I I could barely name you off like five of them probably. So, I mean, for me, it's always been the women's division. um, And they've always, I mean, like, like I said, the intergender, they've always focused on the athletic part of it. Um, And the women themselves, they come off the Indies with these amazing characters and gimmicks and personalities. So there's not much they have to change there, which is great. I mean, look at Havoc and Sue Young and, 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 and Rosemary, and they're coming off with those already. So they're not changing much about these women. And, they're, and so instead they're focusing on the athletic part of it, which makes them one of the best in the world, I think. Yeah. And they too are, are headlining important shows with women's matches and have uh, deep storylines and character work with their women. So they're, they're doing uh, a lot right there. And, and I think after they lost Tessa, there was a question maybe about what their commitment to the women's division um, was going to be. And uh, they seem all in, and and that's great. Um, okay, guys, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Again, go to uh, pwi-online.com if you want to read through the entire Women's 100. You could download it uh, right away or order your issue um, to uh, to get delivered to your mailbox. We would be remiss, though, Al, if we didn't give uh, Kristen a chance to plug Bell to Bells here for a second because she has this very exciting series coming up that I think she's... Uh- yeah, so I contacted like 30 women and 22 of them actually got back to me, which was very surprising. They're very busy. Um, and we managed to interview all of them. So there's video, interviews, audio, and written. Um, and we're releasing one a day. So it's going to go through November, um, like the first week of November, uh, after the digital version is released on Thursday. So we're starting off there. Um, and then also some kind of really cool news. It's maybe a little bit early, but I'm still going to do it because I feel like it um, in February, I'm working with some promoters to run a charity event, a women's wrestling charity event. It's going to be indie scene. Um, and I'm not sure it's going to be a, a gender equality, um, uh, you know, uh, charity, but I'm really excited for it. So there's big, big stuff in store and obviously go to belldebells.com for all that. Awesome. Uh, that- so, and this is all women from the uh, from the 100 list who were 
you conduct you conducted these interviews with or the bells they've all they've all listed so these will be great so I think we're going to be sharing at least one of those on the podcast in the, the coming weeks. But it, it, so keep in mind, today is Thursday the 15th you know, with the issue out. So who is the first interview that's going to be? Martina. We have a video uh, interview with Martina. I believe she was 82, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, lower in the, in the list, but like one of the funnest interviews ever. So I'm really excited to share for her, number one. our Our first... I'd say four or five are really strong interviews. So awesome. um, starting off strong and they're all great, but you know, the video interviews obviously come off a lot stronger. So very exciting. Excellent. Look forward to, uh, to hearing those. Thank um, thanks guys. Uh, right now let's hear from uh, another ranked woman and she's ranked at uh, the very top of the women's 100. Um, she is the reigning SmackDown women's champion, Bailey. Uh, first of all, congratulations on being our uh, number one ranked wrestler in the 2020 Women's uh, 100. Uh, I'll ask you what I asked uh, John Moxley a few weeks ago when I interviewed him about being the number one wrestler in the PWI 500. Um, and that is, did we get this right? Or, are you the best um, wrestler in the world over the last 12 months? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How so? I would like to think so. How so? Um well, I think, uh, I mean, it's obvious that I've made a major change um, late last year, and I think, for one, everybody kind of thought it was going to fail. Uh, they thought, you know, that I made the wrong decision or that I couldn't pull it off, um, and I think I've proved everyone wrong, especially in the craziness that has been going on with the pandemic and, you know, not performing in front of fans, which makes everything way harder but um has still been still been able to pull it off and i think i used it to my advantage let's talk a bit about that and and you're right i was going to ask you about that i mean there was a lot of doubt second guessing whether you were um fit to play this role i think part of it was kind of a compliment that you were such a great baby face right i mean uh, uh, a good guy that people just couldn't believe you um fitting into this role what was that uh, more incentive that it kind of fuel uh, you in doing well in this role? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I mean, everybody, you, everyone second guess things, especially for me, you know, that I was doing that Bailey character for seven years and it brought me so much success. It brought me championships and it brought me to the WWE and all these things. But um, I knew it was something that I didn't want to do forever. And I didn't want to, uh, I want to experience everything in my career and I want to be able to, you know, ride the wave and do all, all sorts of things. And I knew I couldn't do it being that one character. Uh, but honestly, once I had the company's blessing and Vince's blessing, I, I knew that I had to make it work. Like it didn't matter if people want to believe it or not. Like I had to make it work because it was my decision. And if I failed, then I failed myself and I failed the company like hugely. Um, but I definitely think, people not believing in me helps because uh you love to prove people wrong so that really helped and i think it helped personally but also helped on screen too where i like i'm really not doing it for them then i'm doing it for me yeah yeah what what was the evolution um of that change because i know it'd been talked about 
for years, at least among fans. I don't know how serious the discussions got uh, backstage, but was this something that you were pushing for for a long time and there was some hesitancy uh, in management? Was it something that they wanted and you weren't quite sure about it? It wasn't. Um, so it's something I've always thought about. Like I always, we always did drills um, in the performance center of, uh, you know, I'm the bad guy or she's the good guy. So like I've always had a little taste of it. And on the indies, I've always done little like matches here and there where I was, you know, the heel. But um, I've always had the idea of what I would be if I were to turn. And I don't think anybody ever saw me, you know, turning like that. Like I got the whole you're gonna be John Cena forever and you're great with the kids which which I love but um I don't think the the company had a plan for me to change or a plan for me to turn or anything they wanted me to stay the same but there was that weird period of time where I attacked Becky Lynch with a chair when Sasha came back and I attacked Charlotte with a chair um so it was like kind of in between and they didn't really know what to do so I, I pushed for it, and I said, you know, I lost the title at Hell in a Cell for a week. Um, I had to break down crying and all this stuff, so I was like, I have to come back different. I have to come back with um, a different mentality and all this stuff. So literally pitched all of this to all the important people within three days and became what it was and what, what was on screen. Like, I had my gear guy make me that gear in three days. Yeah. You, you mentioned so that. Sorry? I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, I was just going to say it was something I I really pushed for, because if I came back the same way after that Hell in a Cell match, I think I would have been screwed forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you mentioned uh, uh, John Cena, and, and he came to mind as well, and, and there have been these other kind of great heroes uh, in, in wrestling that either were, you know, had to kind of be dragged kicking and screaming to turn, or just never did. I think of Ricky Steamboat, or um, all those years Hulk Hogan in WWF before he finally made the move in uh, in WCW. Um, did did you? How much did you think about? You know, there's there's no coming back from this, right? I mean, uh, uh, like you said, the 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 kids, and not that you can't do that stuff, but it, it's just different. And maybe one day you do want to go back um, to that that other character, and you'll have all this baggage with you. So. Uh, how difficult a decision is that? Yeah, yeah, it's very difficult. And, you know, every people saying that, you know, you, you could be the female John Cena is obviously the biggest compliment in the whole world. Like, who doesn't want that? So for me, that was, uh, and he's had so much success being who he is. But in my head, I'm like, but there's n- no other John Cena. There's mm-hmm. nobody that could do what he does. And, um for me, I just like, I guess selfishly, like I said, I wanted to experience different things. So, um, making that decision as far as like, it's like a relationship, I guess, you know, like you, you know, what's working and you're comfortable in your position, but you know, if you see like the light at the end of the tunnel or like you think the grass is greener on the other side, like all that stuff is like, you may, you may as well take that leap. And like I said, I only had myself to rely on. So, um, it was scary, but I think if, I hadn't made that decision, I would regret it forever. Yeah, yeah. So you talked about how uh, you made the move and you were so determined to kind of get it right and be successful. But the reality is that at, at the outset, it really isn't the character that, that we see now. And 
Um, it's evolved even since then. And I don't know that it was clicking right at the outset. I mean, I sort of likened it to, um, I, I said that the, the, the character was a sadness from uh, Inside Out. Or yeah. the Inside Out. That, that's what it reminded me of. And, and now it's really uh-huh. evolved into something different. So can you talk about that evolution? Was it clear to you that something wasn't clicking at first? Yeah, um, I mean, in the beginning, like, I've said this in past interviews, I've always wanted to be um, like Eddie Guerrero, WCW days, where he would come out and he would just look miserable with his wet hair. Um, He was the cruiserweight champion, and, like, he didn't want to be any part of it. Like, that's the feeling that he was giving off. And he was too good for everything, and he was just, like, he was just, like, a pain in the ass to even be there. So I always thought that was cool and that... uh, no women had really done that role. Like, if you see a, a, a woman that's, like, a bad guy or a heel or whatever, um, they're just really cocky or bitchy or whatever, but, like, nobody played it off like that. So I was trying to do that. Um, and I think the reason it evolved is because of the pandemic where there's no crowd and I can't mm. come out, like, like, I don't know, I can't come out, like, that miserable and, you know, boring and quiet I kind of need that's more of like an on-screen thing so uh, without the fans I kind of just had to talk I think that's where like the talking and the obnoxiousness came from but it, it really came came out naturally it wasn't something that I planned it was just something that like I think as a person I could be annoying and I could be obnoxious and I could be cocky because I could find all that stuff in me. So that really just came out naturally. But I think that's the whole like beauty of the evolution was that it was all like a natural progression. And the same thing with like my past character, all that stuff, all the the hugger and all that stuff, it all came naturally because I had an idea of what I wanted, but like you just make tweaks along the way, according to the responses that you get from either people backstage or the fans. Yeah, yeah. And and um, I guess it was sort of a blessing in disguise in that way, right? That I'm sure everybody would rather have the fans being there. But it, you know, I, I hear from so many people, Steve Austin comes to mind, uh, that when they really kind of found their voice and their personality, it's when they drew on the real person. And uh, it sounds like that's when it really started clicking for you, when it became less about creating this character and more just finding about finding that part in you that that is that character yeah and i just you know let really let myself have fun with it like to be honest these days felt like or like these the days in the performance center felt like my nxt roadshow days like when we were on the road and there's no tv you're just performing in front of the fans it's just you and the fans and like no one in the outside world knows what's going on so it just felt like like I was having so much fun with it and being able to make it what I wanted because there's nobody there to tell me not to. Yeah. <laughs> there's nobody yeah. there to boo me or for crickets or to cheer me, whatever. And it was just me. Yeah. And, 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 uh, hearing you talk, it reminds me, you, you guys were actually like the very first to walk out into that empty performance center. Right. I mean, uh, the, the yeah, first they did it. Match. Yeah, and and I remember people being like, "This is weird," because you guys, you know, still kind of finding your way, and you were almost cutting this promo for a crowd that wasn't there. Um, so, yeah. can can you talk a bit about that? You know how how weird was that? And, and like you said, I mean, did it did it maybe kind of inch you in into what you've become? Yeah, that was the strangest 
strangest day ever. I remember being in the in the gym of the performance center, and I was talking to Dan Ryan like, "This is so weird. What are we gonna do? Like, we have a promo and a match, so it's not like one or the other. We have to do both without any fans." And he was like. He's like, you know what? It's just a new experience. We just got to do the best, like just trying to make me feel better. And then Cena walks in and Cena's, you know, puts his two cents in and he's like, I'm excited because this is something I've never done before. I've literally done it all, done everything, but I had never done this. And then he just walked off. It was like, like a ha type of moment. And I was like, yeah, I've never done this before. So that kind of like helped me before I went out. Um, just to be excited about it instead of looking at it like, dang, this sucks. Why are we even doing this? Uh, it made me excited. So um, once we finally, uh, we all thought it was going to be a one-time deal. Like nobody knew how big this pandemic was going to turn out to be. Um, so we were trying to make the best of it in the one night we thought we had. And luckily for us, we had Triple H and Michael Cole to yell at and to you know play off of and that's what helps a lot is I have had Sasha to play off of, have Michael Cole to play off of. So for our promo, that really helped us. Um, and then when we had the match, it was just, we were, it kind of helped us be more zoned in. I think it's kind of in a way felt like Japan where it's, <laughs> they're very quiet and respectful right. for the matches and clap here and there, but um, it, it helped you feel more zoned in. And I think maybe that's where sparks of, what I've turned into has happened because I felt like it was too quiet and I just had to yell crap. So I'm just yelling stuff and yelling stuff and then just kept going, kept going on. And I saw people online were enjoying it. Yeah. Has it helped having uh, the Thunderdome there? At least you, you could look out and see some reaction. Now, how, how much does it feel like playing in front of a real crowd? Um, It's a huge difference. It's, it's still a little strange. Like, it's kind of hard because the, the reactions are a little delayed because mm -hmm. it's the internet, but it's like, um, it is nice if I remember to look out. It's almost like I've been doing it for so long without fans. I mean, we had people at the performance center towards the end, but um, I almost forget that there's actual fans right there. So I'm still kind of getting used to that. But it does help, you know, when, when uh, you could look over and see them putting thumbs down or just the actual feel of the arena you know, making your entrance with pyro and loud music. It's just a different feel. Yeah. The other thing that, that uh, as as an observer, I thought um, helped you and, and kind of put you, uh, made you more comfortable and, and put you more kind of at ease was working with Sasha. I mean, there was clearly kind of a, uh, a change in your comfort level once you guys uh, were reunited, started uh, working together. Is that the case? Is it, you know, does it speak to the chemistry that you two have that it, it just puts you at ease? Yeah, I think, I mean, everybody knows, like, our past and our, our chemistry together from the very beginning. So anytime I'm with her, I can feel comfortable and I feel like myself. And um, just like I said, being able to play off anyone is helpful. But being able to play with play off someone that you've been around for the past eight years in your career um is so, so much more comfortable. It's like, I would think like Triple H and Shawn Michaels, like how they were just goofy together. That's how I saw us sometimes. And it was just, it was just easy and it became really fun. Yeah. It's an interesting um, comparison because when I think Triple H and, and Shawn Michaels, I think, uh, yeah, here's these two guys who had great chemistry as partners together, but also had great chemistry 
uh, as opponents. So you, you now, I mean, the inevitable happens. You guys go your separate ways. Uh, is it bittersweet in that oh, I'm going to miss, you know, working with her as uh, a partner and, and that kind of thing? Um, or is it more exciting that we get to wrestle each other again, you know, and have and, and revisit these great matches that we had? Yeah, I'm, I'm more looking towards wrestling her again because we've had our fun, you know, the, this, these whole, since I've been on the, on the main roster with Raw and SmackDown, I've literally been at her side and we've been involved in each other's stories and we've been in stories with each other and we've been tagging champions and, and, and we've done it all together. So, um, I think it was the perfect time to just be like, okay, we've had our fun, but now it's time to, um, kind of, you know, like to literally compete again, because that's what I think uh, helped our matches so much is deep down trying to prove who's better and compete with each other. What? How much pressure um, is there on, on you and her to really deliver when you guys uh, get back together in a ring? You, you know, Pro Wrestling Illustrated were the first ever women to have the match of the year, and that year also, I think, had the first runner-up. Um, uh I, I was there for at least one of those, the one in Brooklyn, and it was just incredible, incredible matches. Uh, now both of you are further along, matured as as performers. The expectations are going to be so high when you get in the ring. Uh, what, what's that like for you? Yeah, it's, it's very, very scary and nerve-wracking. Um, I, I just have to have like so many conversations with myself, like, all right, it's kind of like fun time's over, and not that I've... I mean, I don't even know how to explain it. I'm, for one, nervous to, to wrestle her again because it's been so long. Um, and I don't want to disappoint her, obviously. But I feel like throughout this time, I have, I'm so hard on myself for my matches. And I try to make, try to make it different in what I, what, how I envision wrestling or the story. Um, but sometimes it doesn't come across and I get really hard on myself. So in these matches, I, I just feel um, I really need to step up my game in every single way. And I know that I need to, like, get in a ring and just envision it. Like, I need to prepare now for for the next, like, four months or whatever. Like, it's not – I'm not going to go day by day and prepare myself, but I need to, like, prepare now. And I'm looking at it like – as if I'm preparing for a WrestleMania match because that's how big it is when we get in the ring together to us. Yeah. It, it, are you worried that you could overthink it? You know, I mean, I, and, and go in there, you know, in your head too much, uh, and, and maybe not just kind of feeling it out. Um, sometimes. Yeah. But I mean, I overthink it up into the point of going out of the curtain and then it's kind of just like, all right, now it's just go with, what's happening and who you're in the ring with, which when it's Sasha, it's, it's so much easier to just let go. Yeah. When you guys first started planting the seeds of this early in the year, it wasn't really clicking either. And I remember, you know, there's a lot of criticism like, Oh, this is awful. I mean, are they together? Are they apart? What's with this? And then little by little, it really started to come together where now I think most people will say, it's the best storyline in WWE all year. It it is one of the reasons to watch WWE, and the the, the ratings show that your guys' segments tend to do well. What is it um, about your chemistry, about this storyline, kind of the slow burn that has really captivated fans? 
Um, I mean, I hope, I hope it's because it's coming off super real because there's so many real elements in it that we can use and that we were, we're going to use. And I don't know. I think it's, uh, like I've said from NXT days, the fans have been, have grown up with us, especially Sasha and I, you know, they've seen us at our very beginning days and then evolving into the characters that we've become and evolving into the people and performers that we are now. So I think the fact that it's pretty real and that everything that we're doing, it really does make sense. Like me finally beating the crap out of her. It, to me, it makes sense. Like, why wouldn't I, I've seen how she's been looking at me. I've seen, you know, her freaking, eyes looking at the championship and I've seen what she said on me about me online like all these things of course I did what I did so I think it's it's easy to follow and it's easy to be like damn they this is really happening and it makes sense yeah there, there's a, a a layer of subtlety that you don't always get I think back to Triple H and Batista 15 years ago when when they, there was that kind of slow burn and they finally split uh but yeah I mean even stuff about like eye contact I remember um, the pro, I don't know if it was, uh, on SummerSlam, but, or, or shortly after that, uh, I guess it was SummerSlam where, where you had beat Asuka early in the night. And then, um, Sasha cuts the promo and says, essentially, well, if Bailey beat her, I can beat her. And there was right. a, a subtle cut of your eyes and kind of like, what? And, um, that, that made such a difference, you know, more than kind of like weeks of, of different angles and people going through tables that just that little bit of, of shifting your eyes told a, a big piece of the story so uh is, yeah. how, how much is that is your fingerprint sasha's fingerprints um a lot <laughs> we're we're actually probably the most annoying people backstage <laughs> and to everybody because a lot of it is us uh we have we work with an awesome um person backstage her name's jen and she helps us so so much um just as far as like she's been along this ride with us for the past two and a half years so she knows everything that we feel so all of it is really us three sometimes another person like just actual like this is what I want to do this is how what I want to say this is how I want to do it so we're to that point where it's like if, if this is going to go south if it's going to go bad it'll be our fault but we if it's going to be good we need to put our two cents in everything yeah let, let's uh, step back and talk about kind of bigger picture uh, women's uh, division in, in WWE. You know, uh, I interviewed Charlotte some months ago about this, and we talked about a kind of like how how the novelty of the so-called women's uh, revolution, evolution, has worn off. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of mainstream craze off of Ronda Rousey and, and women main eventing at WrestleMania, all that kind of come down and now it's just sort of accepted and and that, that's a good thing i would think it's a, again it's not sort of this new uh novel thing uh but but what would you say about the state of women's wrestling in in wwe right now and the division uh especially given that there has been a lot of change charlotte's not around ronda's not around becky's not around um and those were that was kind of like you know the the big three for a while headlined wrestlemania you were just on the outside of that now it really has shifted to you and, and to Sasha and to Asuka. Um, so, so what do you think about kind of the state of women's wrestling in WWE right now? Um, yeah, I think 
it's obviously it's just a mainstream thing where it's not a big deal anymore and it's which i love we're so happy to be at that point um because not that we were all over it but it was like we've rode that wave long enough and now it's time to just be like all right we're here for business just like everybody else um but obviously i think it can be so much better than what it is now like i think there's times where it's awesome and it's and so cool to see everybody involved on the show but it needs to be more and it needs to mean more like i want everyone to have a sasha bailey storyline you know like i want all the shows to have that so um i always just want more for them but i think uh having oscar you know we've been working with oscar this this year and she's freaking she's just the greatest ever like she's a she's such a beast so i i think as long as she's involved in something it's going to be awesome um the whole uh, mandy and sonia was awesome it was so different to have but um you just want to see other people you know i'm just like a fan too like i want to see other people get used and i know how much potential everybody has so i'm excited to see what the riot squad does with uh Shayna and Nia for the tag team division. Like, that's one thing I want to see really blow up because obviously we've been pushing for it forever. So I hope that gets the recognition that it deserves, just that division itself. Um, but yeah. like I said, I mean, everyone's really hardworking. I just want to see more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you a little bit uh, of a scoop since this isn't going to run for a while. So we've got the PWI 500 and we've got um, the Women's 100 that we started, I don't know, 10 years ago or, or so. And we're going to be introducing something later this year. We're going to do a ranking of uh, tag teams, kind of the, the equivalent, that's going to be um, open to both uh, female tag teams and, and men's tag teams. So you might find yourself, you know, high on another uh, list in uh, PWI. Uh, awesome. uh, can, that's a, yeah. Can, can you talk a bit about that? And, and uh, uh, just what, what was it like uh, uh, having this chapter of, of your career where you guys were a real dominant tag team? And, and how different was that? Um, for you, I know you've been in tag team matches uh, uh, throughout your career, but you guys were like the tag team in, in WWE for a while there. Yeah, tag team wrestling is so amazing, and it's so different than you know being a singles wrestler. Like before the tag team titles came about, like we've had hundreds of tag matches on the live events, but like pointless tag matches, and I would always just have the match to have the match because that's what it was but once we decided that we actually wanted to be a tag team that we were going to have a tag team name we were going to have matching gear we were going to have these titles come to life it changed everything and everything i thought i knew about tag team wrestling was erased because it's it's just so different and um everything we learned in that first run we used in the second run too but we had to obviously tweak things here and there and i think um the second run with our tag titles was the one we wanted in the beginning like that's we wanted to be dominant we wanted to work on nxt we want to work on raw smackdown we still didn't get as much as we wanted as many matches as we wanted but um at least we got to do a little bit of everything and we've had so much help from so many tag teams and we've said it in many many interviews but um we really did put in our work and study and just try to get really really good and train together so um i'm glad that we were able to do that and i'm glad that um we had the second run to kind of feel like really fill that spot that we were missing the first time yeah and and there was obviously uh those few weeks where 
you had the SmackDown title. Sasha had the Raw title. You both had the tag title. Um, did did you have that moment backstage with her where you guys have all these belts and you kind of look at each other, you know, off camera and be like, wow, you know, look look at what we're holding here, you know, for, for two women who kind of came up together through that developmental system to just be kind of covered in gold. That's got to really be something. Yeah, it was, there was a couple times where <laughs> uh, it was so, I, I just looked at her and I'm like, dude, this is so weird. Like, I can't believe this is, this is really WWE. Like, we're really doing this on WWE TV. Um, and it's not like a fantasy booking. Like, it's really us. And we're inside the Performance Center where we both struggled so much. And we both, like, came up with characters in that building and put in so much in that building. And, like, now we're we're having this crazy title run. I don't know. It was definitely, yeah, I had a bunch of those moments. Probably me more so than her. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you about something that we've seen in, in women's wrestling outside WWE, and, and I always wonder if it'll ever work its way into WWE, and that's intergender uh, matches. You know, we saw in, uh, in in Impact them putting their world title on, on a woman for a period, and it's become kind of more and more commonplace um, in Independence and, and uh, some other uh, even, you know, good-sized promotions. Uh, do you see there ever being room for that in, in WWE? Outside of kind of like the freak show kind of presentation, we've seen it with, with China and uh, and even Naya over the years. But can can you see the day, and would you want to see the day where maybe you you can work with uh, a man just as well with a woman? Yeah, I think I I think it would be awesome. But you know, I I don't know how everybody would feel about that. But I came from the Indies where I was the only girl training, so like I trained with guys for four years straight, never never trained with a girl um and i've had matches with men as well and i know a lot of the girls who came from the indies did so i think it would be a lot of fun you would learn so much everybody would learn so much just being in there with a guy it's just different being able to do things that you can't necessarily do with alexa bliss or you know it's just like having someone there to that's just different um i think it would be fun and if this ever happens, my first match would I would like to wrestle Randy Orton. Randy Orton, yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, well, get the big big weight discrepancy there, and size discrepancy. That's fine. <laughs> How about Brock Lesnar? You you ready to get in there with him? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'll leave that for Nia. Uh, another thing, uh, uh, kind of uh, off topic here that that I wanted to ask you about, uh, and and part of it is that I you know obviously. Uh, issues of diversity have been um, uh, in the news uh, a lot. I actually think WWE doesn't get uh, as much credit as it deserves in sort of diversifying uh, its roster. And um, I remember looking at uh, the title scene about a year ago and realizing that the majority, almost all of the champions were were people of color. And one of the things is that that sometimes people don't even realize that you're you're looking at a a, a person of color, uh, yourself included. I mean, it, not a lot is is made of it, but but you're Latina. Is that something that you wear proudly? Um, do you think it needs to be you know brought up or or not? Uh, how, how much um, do do you think it's part of your identity uh, in WWE? Um, well, personally, I think it's a big part of my identity just because. You know, I got into wrestling from my grandma, who, you know, where, that's where my Spanish side comes from. Um, she watched Lucha Libre when she was younger, and 
that's what my dad was watching when he was younger, and that's what brought him to, you know, watch WWE eventually, what brought me to watch it eventually. So it kind of trickles down to my grandma um, just being a fan of Lucha Libre. So to me, that's it's a big part of who I am, and I actually get surprised, I guess. <laughs> it's not like I'm, you know, I don't come out with a Mexican flag or, you know, maybe I should, but it's mm-hmm. they just posted about the Mexican Heritage Month and uh, put a picture of myself in there, and I realized how many people didn't know that I was. So I guess, I mean, um, I would, you know, I want the whole world to know, but I guess um, I need to do a better job at representing that, but it's not ever something that I thought I needed to do. I just, I, I just know it's part of me. Yeah, I, I don't know that you do need to do uh, anything else. I mean, it sort of reminds me of what we were just talking about with the, the women's evolution, where at, at some point, maybe this shouldn't be a novelty, and, and maybe every person who is of Hispanic descent doesn't need to wear it, you know, you just, you know, I, I, I think of, like, um, uh, the Hurt Business, right, and uh, you've got this faction of, 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 I guess, now four African Americans, and at the beginning, I think a lot of people just saw like, oh, you know, they're 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 putting the black wrestlers together. But now it feels like it's it's evolved past that, and people don't even notice. It's just four really tough, badass guys, um, and right. maybe that's the same with you. I don't I don't know that you need to be telling the world that you are. You just keep on doing your job, doing a good job of it, and in doing so, you're a good representative for for your community. Yeah, cool. Thank you. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, we're go- we've got about uh, uh, time here, uh, so uh, just want to uh, thank you. And any other thoughts? I mean, for for somebody, I know a, a lot of people uh, uh, your age um, grew up with with wrestling magazines. How cool is it to be the number one uh, woman in, in the women's one hundred? Um, I don't know. It's pretty crazy. I, I've obviously grown up with PWI, and I'm just such a huge wrestling nerd. So even when I didn't know what it was like the PWI magazine when I didn't know what it was because I always bought the WWF magazines or had them shipped to me um, and I would see it on the newsstands like I would just I would just want it because I could see my favorite wrestler on the cover or if I flipped to the first page my favorite wrestler's on it um, so now like I don't know it, it's gonna be cool I think to to actually see it and to hear people's response to it and I hope everybody's mad that I'm number one and Sasha isn't um <laughs> Um, I don't know. It's awesome. And I, and I'm glad that I can take this off of my bucket list. Yes. Well, well learned. Thank you so much for, um, uh, taking the time and, uh, best of luck on everything. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good one.